Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and a very belated Happy New Year from the Dabblers. Well, from me, Hadja. Curtis is being unnecessarily healthy right now on another run and I'll take myself for a five-minute walk very soon. Ahead of Series 3, we've got another fantastic special for you and I'm so thrilled to introduce our next guest. We spoke to her before Christmas and honestly, it was a breath of fresh air to speak to someone so positive about life, playing the hand you've been dealt and learning as you go. Jess in Piazzi has had quite the career. Through talent and tenacity, she gained a place at Italia Conti Stage School, only to drop out when she was just 17 in order to care for her mother. She then carved out a career in modelling and reality TV, experiencing the heady heights of fame and celebrity, as well as those who-even-am-I moments that come from a glamorous lifestyle that's not always built on passion and purpose. Jess spoke to us about the novels that changed her life and perspective and how they gave her the push she needed to follow her heart. She's since rediscovered her love of writing and acting, most recently starring alongside Dean Cain in the sci-fi film Rhea and through her new memoir, Silver Linings. On Instagram, alongside some ridiculously attractive photos, you'll find her posting about mindset, mental health and her work for Guide Dogs for the Blind. I thoroughly enjoyed Silver Linings and I've already started the year at least trying to be less cynical. I hope you enjoy the interview as much as we did. Hello and welcome to the Dabblers Book Club podcast. This is the podcast for people who've never read Chaucer and probably never will. I'm Curtis. And I'm Hadja. And today is a very special episode because we have a very special guest. We're joined by Jess Impiazzi. Uh, Jess is an actor, writer, model and ambassador for Guide Dogs for the Blind Association. Now she's just written her memoir, Silver Linings. Uh, so it's great to have her on. Jess, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. And thank you so much for having me on. Lovely to have you. So you've just written a memoir, a huge achievement. How do you feel? Do you know what? I've got so many mixed emotions because it's, from what people knew of me from any reality TV I'd done in the past, um, it was just, they, they condensed that down so much that you don't really get to know anyone really as a person. And I had such a long backstory that I thought, you know what, I, I want to write it all down. Um, Number one, I wanted some people to kind of understand me a little bit. But my main goal was to kind of show people that at any point you can change your life around. And like no matter what hardships or troubles you face, that you can pour a silver lining out of it and find that to teach you lessons 
or make you a better person. And that was my main goal to just help maybe younger people, people going through some hard times in their life to find the, the beauty of it, even though sometimes you can't always see that. I love that. That's such a nice no, message. Amazing. And it comes across as well. Um, it is amazing. And so much in there. You've clearly been on quite a journey. Um, so we are going to get stuck right into Silver Linings in a bit. But first, on this podcast, we like to talk about books we read. Um, and we'd like to hear a little bit about some stuff that you read. First up, I understand you're a massive Harry Potter fan. Is this true? It's to the point where it's actually getting a bit concerning. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I have Harry Potter shoes, Harry Potter scarves, hats, jumpers. I'm obsessed with Harry <laughs> Potter. So um, I reread the books again recently, actually. And I always find when you're younger and you find something like that, and I loved Harry Potter when it first came out, I was lucky enough to be at theatre school when the films were being made. And they used to, when they were making the films, they used to come to the theatre schools, take a load of the young kids on a bus, and you could be their background. So I kind of got to watch the magic being filmed as well. Um, and it always just stuck with me as somewhere, whilst there was hardships going on, somewhere that it was just so magical and it can I think that with any book it can take you away to somewhere when actually maybe reality might be a bit difficult so Harry Potter really holds a special place that whenever there's something maybe troubling in my life and I can read the books again it just transports you to this new world and I think J.K. Rowling just really tapped into magic and the possibilities and you know different that with Harry himself he had this um personality where they could have been bad but he chose the good and I just it was so you can relate to it in your life even though I can't pull my magic wand out and <laughs> but you know it just gives you that magic and I think it's so important to have that kind of book that you can always go back to and you know you're going to be lifted in some sort of way yeah no, and, and you know what I I remember reading it years ago uh the chamber of secrets that's the second one right yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I was reading it and it's interesting what you said about just being transported to someone else. Cause you're right. It's just like, it's a different world and it's so incredible. Just that escapism you get from it. And um, I was reading it like on the balcony when I was on holiday with my family. And uh, my mum said she'd nipped out like two or three times and my eyes were wide and I was just engraved in this book. And she got my stepdad's come out and he just kind of, I'm not going to do it because we'll make the microphones bang, but he clapped his hands and I screamed. Um, and I, ever since, I never have that from, well, I do obviously love reading books now, but I just remember that, that those books, when I first came across them, just blew my mind. And they do take you somewhere else, don't they? Uh, what I would say though is I got, I got as far as like number five, which I, is that Order of the Phoenix? I'm looking to you as our expert. I know, I, I should know this, but they're up there. Um, I think that is, yeah. Then there's Half-Blood Prince. And, yeah, yeah. Okay, so maybe I need to finish the the, uh, the saga. But when you reread them, were you sort of experiencing it in a new way or was it just like the first time being all nostalgic? Um, I think it, because my child brain to my adult brain is different. So you, you there's bits I kind of forgot because I'd watched the film. So it was just nice to refresh with it. So there was kind of more magic in it, I suppose. As a kid, it's like when, when it's Christmas, it's it's all, wow, this is so magical. But as an adult, you know, it's more of a, of a story pulling you out somewhere rather than it being actual magic. So um, there was different elements for it for me. And bits that I'd forgotten because of the films, they had to take bits out for the films and characters out. So just, yeah, rereading it, it, it definitely brings back the magic but in an adult version of it now, but you can transport you there, which is great. See, I read, I think I read them as an adult. I read one to four or got halfway through four. And then when I was in France, it was the only English book that was on a shelf in a room I was staying in. And I read it. I read the last one. Um, was it Deathly Hallows? Is that the one? Yeah. All night in one night. And I, I, I was 24 
and I was terrified. <laughs> like I literally had to turn the light on and disturb the landlady to get to the bathroom because I was just like scared of Voldemort. Um, that's how powerful it was. I could not put it down on it. I stayed up until the early hours just reading this book. And, and that's the magic of them, isn't it? Where you can, when you can't put it down, it's just that feeling of you, no matter what's going on, you're like, hold on, I'm in this other world now. <laughs> Everyone leave me alone. It's just the greatest feeling. It's so hard to get that back, I find, as an adult in other books. Um, you, you get page turners, but they're not, yeah, they don't engross you in the same way that something like that can do, especially as a child. Yeah. Sticking with books, uh, you talk a lot about uh, books in your memoir, especially ones that relate to sort of spirituality and personal development. And you mentioned Paolo Coelho's The Alchemist and also Gabriel Bernstein's The Judgment Detox. Do you want to talk to us a bit about that and about the role they've played in your life? Yeah, so I felt this, the first kind of journey for me in self-development and stuff started with books and it was when I read uh, The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho and it's a fable so it was done in a story type manner but every single page I turned it would be a light bulb moment in my head to be like you know it just related to my life about living your dreams and how we put things off and how other people can trample on them dreams but it's so important to follow them and it it gave me that inspiration I suppose back to carry on with what I was doing and not let the noise of what was surrounding my life destroy that so that book was so important to my life because it gave me that kick to get back to what I wanted to do and what I loved and what my my heart called for which was my acting and my writing and I never gave myself that chance before because I just allowed all this noise of these things around me to put the light out for me in that respect so I I then went on to read a load of Paolo Coelho books but nothing really stood out to me as much as The Alchemist and I've heard hundreds of thousands of people around the world say say the same thing about that book Mm. it's just so powerful um it's not one of them things that pulled me away like the harry potters into this magical world but it was more of a light switch moment in my own head and what i wanted to do with my life so that book was thoroughly recommended (laughs) by me and what was that like that moment of cutting out the noise because I think especially in our 20s there is so much noise and I think as women as well and young women we're a bit more not impressionable but we want to please people and we want to do everything so if there's an opportunity here there and everywhere we'll take it um and I I sort of really got a sense of that in your memoir that you know you have this crazy buzz of your 20s where you're doing all these cool things um but there must have been that sort of calling You, you said as well in in the book that you you know when something's missing and so how did you go about sort of getting rid of that noise I suppose it was I'd I'd consumed myself for so long I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder in my later 20s which is just at the time I started reading The Alchemist I must have been about 27 and I remember thinking I've let so much go ahead of what I wanted and I, I it was just one of them moments where I thought to myself okay you really need to sit back and think because I, I with the PTSD I was always on red alert and concerned about everyone else and my well-being didn't matter to me and then I kind of just got to that point where I'm like well why do I not matter to me how am I going to matter to other people if I can't even matter to myself um this is not a good way to be living anymore and it was just a realization um I don't know how it, it, it came about but it was that it was just a click moment where I couldn't live like that anymore. I didn't want to live like that anymore. Nothing, this loop that I was on wasn't making me happy. The temporary fixes weren't making me happy. Um, it was a distraction to a longer term problem. Unless, unless I started to fix the longer term problem, it may be uncomfortable and may not feel nice, but the, the end result is going to be a lot better than going out with my friends drinking and just con- continuing this awful cycle. So 
I tested it, tested out trying to do things differently to get different results because a lot of us do this. And in fact, I think someone once said that when you do the same thing over and over and expect different results, it's insanity. And, but you don't even think that you just keep trying and you're like, well, why doesn't this work? But without different actions, you're not going to get different results. So I just tested it. I tried different actions. I tried different, I tried to meditate to calm the voice. And as I did that, I found out there's always a voice in your head. And unless you have control of that voice, you kind of stuck um because you don't realize so when you become aware that there is these thoughts that are the things that are suppressing you when you try to clear them and that's I use meditation a lot for that reason you kind of open yourself up another path and I think that was the the way I did it I just had to take a step back from myself to understand me I just lost any sense of who I was and what I wanted and was more concerned about everyone else and boyfriends and and looking a certain way and actually that didn't make me happy and I wanted to be happy I didn't want to have you know at the time I'm 27 28 I've got years ahead of me and living like this was not working so I needed to change and I just took action and you mentioned in there about um not doing certain things to please other people and not chasing that kind of validation and it reminded me of something actually in silver linings that we really both connected with um you mentioned about sort of heading out in mayfair and trying to see how the other half live and you know exploring that new world now like for example we're with the reason we connected with that we're both kind of state school backgrounds from broken homes and i think we both I don't know if guilty is the word, but in our lives, we've definitely talked about sort of trying to please people that are from a different walk of life to us that maybe at one point we aspired to. And then looking back and maybe feeling a little bit silly, like that wasn't the way to be, you know, your authentic well, self. Like you're not in control of your life. Exactly. Um, yeah. Where had you come from and what was the pull of that Mayfair lifestyle? I suppose I just came from, again, a very normal state school, broken home. And I, I always felt that I needed the way I felt I got validation wasn't people like, oh, you're doing well, Jess. If I did good at dancing, I got into dance school. That was just something in me that made me go to dance school. And I, I worked hard for that and did it all behind my mum's back and got in. And the validation I got from other people from that, whereas before I didn't really have any, I was like, oh, okay, I need to keep proving myself to other people rather than pleasing me and my heart. So as that progressed over the years, when I had to leave theatre school, I'd lost my validation because I was no longer Jess doing well at theatre school. I was now Jess doing nothing and she's a dropout. That's a massive thing, that validation that you get from school and then suddenly you're out in the real world and no one tells you you're not going to get those grades or that well done or anything. And you're like, oh, so I've been chasing all these these ticks, uh, but I haven't known what I wanted. And then suddenly... Mm. Yeah, you're sort of playing catch up almost. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And and it was the theatre school was everything I always wanted. And I knew that was working for me. And I started to heal quite a bit at theatre school. But unfortunately, at the very end of it, during my GCSE years, was when my nephew died of meningitis. And six months later, my mum went blind. So it was so much. I basically failed all my GCSEs. And then I just went into the, the college at my theatre school that had to leave because I was manically depressed, mm. unaware of that. And my mum was at home not being able to get around the house because she just lost her eyesight and had to adapt to that. So when I came out of there and I lost that validation from others, but also validation from myself, because now I was like, what on earth have I got? One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. But nothing anymore. That's when I just stumbled into the modeling. And trust me, I, I didn't want to be, I wasn't thinking my aspirations for the rest of my life is to be on pastry or do zoo or do nuts. But it gave me that oh, look, guys, I haven't failed because look, I'm, I'm on that magazine or look, guys. I, I, and so I'd see them. And actually, when I looked at some of the magazines, I think, oh, this is cool. I'm on the front. But my heart would sink because I'm like, oh, I trained all them years and I had a scholarship and I'm not really doing. And I, I struggled with that as well because I wasn't I was really young looking when I was 18, 19, 20. I still looked about 14. Mm. So the pictures didn't even look great. And then I was doing other modeling jobs. And I was like, why? Like, this is all I've got. So you've just got to go with it. And it also gave me that thing to just be able to say, well, I have done something with my life. Yeah. But it wasn't what I wanted to do with my life. And it's not a long-term thing. You can't do it for the rest of your life. And it, I, I was kind of using that to just prove that I could do something and I could be a someone yeah. because behind that, I felt like a no one. So then I would skint myself by going to these fancy restaurants with friends that aren't even in my life anymore. I can't even recall their surname. Paying for them to come along with me so we could take pictures and show people, oh, look, I'm doing well. I'm out here. I'm out here. And actually all it did was make me broke when I could have saved up a good bit of money and bought myself a house at a young age yeah. and just surround me with more superficial people that weren't really good for my mentality or, or my growth. God, mm, yeah. this is like a conversation I have with my sister all the time. We're just <laughs> in our 20s, like, why didn't I save? Why wasn't anyone helping? And you, and it's that doing all these things that kind of look good on the surface or make you yeah. feel good short term, but you're never getting to your long term goal because you're constantly yeah. silencing that thing inside you that's saying, this isn't what you want to do. Um, exactly. I mean, do you feel that there's like an issue with, women maybe from your background who want to go to stage school who then are kind of preyed upon not preyed upon is a harsh word but I think sometimes that can can be a problem because when you leave theatre school I suppose it's with many other um, industries you're not guaranteed anything after um and you think well I've I've done all this and my mum's going around talking about me getting a scholarship and I haven't done anything so I've got to try and find something and and unfortunately that can leave you open to some bad agents to some some you know quite predatory people um so I I definitely found that but I think that's because also I wasn't a strong person and I didn't have a strong kind of network around me at the time to to help me through that and I think a lot of the time people with difficult backgrounds can be vulnerable to them people and these people know that as well and um it, it it's risky and I just hope that that begins to change and I, I think with a lot of me too movements and stuff that will and it has been begun to change because people can't get away with taking advantage of vulnerable people anymore honestly reading your memoir like what you've been through is just it's like it's it's I think it's 
a good few people share of like bad shit before you get to sort of even 20. This is why I'm hoping that from 31 onwards life will be plain sailing. <laughs> I hear it is. I, hear, I mean, I hear it is. I'm 34 now and well, I'm hoping by 40 it will smooth out, but we'll see. <laughs> it's interesting though, because um, you mentioned like these experiences you've had and like a phrase like that, like from 31 onwards, it's going to be plain sailing. I almost love that people like yourself, like survivors, people that had journeys can reinvent themselves can explore new things so even in that kind of whirlwind that you've written about in this memoir you've done a lot of different things and there's some really really cool experiences in there obviously as well a lot of hurtful experience and you know you grow and so so now for example one of the first steps is writing this memoir do you think that's something are you going to find a new life in is writing the new defining characteristic or are you going to try a lot of different avenues so there's two things that have my heart and the, the funniest thing is is that when i was really young I would either be hidden behind the sofa reading Goosebumps books or I'd be writing my own little stories or I'd be writing plays and making my little cousins dance around in dresses and perform and I'd be the star and all this so it's funny how once I healed some trauma that I came right back full circle to my youngest self into the things that I was naturally drawn to do in the first place so writing and acting is all I want to do and it's all I'm going to continue to do um, I've started a second book. I don't know what will happen with it yet. I don't. I haven't sent it out to anyone. It's just me writing down. And it, again, it's on the self-help kind of avenue because that's what I know. I, I can give experiences and tools that I've used to transform my life. And with the acting, I just want to keep, I practice. I've got monologue books. I sit in my room and practice and I read more, you know, acting books from teachers that have got methods. And I just continue to read and watch and write. And I suppose if you want to be an actress, you've got to, practice and watch films and take notes on people and if you want to be a writer you write and read so I'm doing all those things and I hope for the rest of my life I can continue to do such yeah that's amazing I love that um so obviously we're you know we won't start probing you on what your second book is because now we're talking about (laughs) this one um has anybody close to you uh read it yet have you had any reactions from close friends or family at all no one's read it yet I've got my I got my first copy today through the post oh wow the weirdest feeling having it in my hands um, and I obviously with mum being blind, I read her the first opening page and she started crying. She's like, I'm so oh, proud. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that feels amazing because it's not a pride I'm craving. It's a, something I've done and I've kind of just got on with it without any background noise. And then to present that to you and it give you a reaction of like pride. That was lovely, actually, but it wasn't something I was craving. It was just something that naturally happened. And that was such a more beautiful way of having that pride and validation in a way. Well, that's a lovely way of putting it. Yeah, it's it's getting that yeah the validation you don't ask for you know it's, yeah you would have done it anyway it was your creative sort of calling or you know your creativity that drove you to to write that um yeah and well, yeah it's so much more authentic and genuine isn't it and, yeah, and meaningful exactly. when people I wasn't like... doing it for other people it, like to get validation from them I was doing it to generally help and tell a story and I got I got what I've always been craving I suppose <laughs> but for something authentic so yeah. Yeah, was it um, was it difficult to write the more traumatic pieces? And I'm thinking actually principally here of, of your mum going blind. Was it difficult to go back and revisit that when you wrote it? Do you know what? I feel it was therapeutic. It was, it helped me as I wrote it. And I wrote, it was basically, the book is about my feelings towards these things as well as how I learned to deal with these things. Writing it down was better than therapy, I suppose. From when I was younger, it, it, drew out everything that I had clogged up in and poured out onto the pages. And it was almost like a release. 
I mean, there were times where I'd get a bit emotional um, talking about my nephew passing away, you know, things with my mum and other things in, in the book. But um, it, it was emotional, but it was very, very therapeutic. And I would suggest anyone to write their things down because I think it just releases in, on, on another level. Mm. Did you start to see any things from a different angle that you hadn't considered before as well? Yeah, I think you, I did. Yeah. I think um, there was times when I was writing writing things and I could... I used, when I was younger with the domestic violence, I used to blame just one person and be like, that was disgraceful. But then when I see it as a whole now in, in an adult mind, mm. then memories changed a bit. So I'm like, well, this happened because of this. And it, it gave me a more empathetic vision of it and understanding of these things. So... Yeah, I, I just think I, I, I could open my mind up a bit to the to the things that happened rather than sitting in a in a place of it being quite traumatic and hard to think about. It was now a place where I could be like, OK, that's I understand it. And now we move on. As a divorcee as well, reading the bit where you said divorce is the best time to find yourself. Like there's loads of bits. I've made loads of notes like this resonated. This uh-huh. resonated. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I don't want to talk about the marriage, but the divorce and like finding yourself. I think at the time I was so distraught and I was completely lost I just I thought my whole world had been ripped apart and then little by little these things started happening for me since like the film Ria two weeks after I left the the marital home I went straight out to LA and don't get me wrong I wasn't in a very good headspace but I had these things coming in that I'd always dreamt of and I, I thought to myself well this must be the making of me because I could actually destroy this all by sitting in this horrific headspace but work on yourself so that's when I just took a load of books kept meditating reading and kind of writing down my gratitudes and my my pain and as I did that it was healing and I wasn't even aware that's what I was doing at the time I just knew that these little things were making me feel better and then by by the end of the year whilst when I'd kind of rebuilt myself I realized that yes it's an awfully painful thing to go through but at the same time I found what I was capable of that I was completely unaware. I, I had didn't know I had that kind of power or strength in me and I found it. And that's why I say it, the seed has to break to become a tree. I ha- Maybe it was destined that I had to be broken down to that point to be able to rebuild everything that had been broken from such a young age. And how about when you, you did go to LA? Um, so you obviously said the two things you are really, really passionate about are writing and acting. Was the LA gig that first really brilliant acting job that you've been seeking and was that like a bit of a, a rebirth in life yeah it, it was an indie film so it, it was a bigger step for me because I was with some quite big actors and LA is great when you're working I found that but again if unless you're a multi-millionaire and you've got a big name over there it's quite difficult to navigate yourself around if you're not working so I finished mm-hmm. the film and tried living there for a while which was great at first I was getting up with the LA life going juicing and boxing <laughs> and loving that but after a while, then you keep meeting people and it's like, hi, what do you do? Uh, or what's your name? What's your Instagram? And then they, don't, they do want to know or they don't want to know you. It can be quite a daunting place. And also I noticed a lot of people do, I suppose this is like a similar version of the validation thing saying, I'm a massive agent. Here's my card. And then them texting you and they're like about 40 years older than you two days later saying, how would the girl with the pretty eyes like to come for dinner tonight? Oh. I'm like, this is quite not what I'm after there's so <laughs> much of it and they're so forward in LA as well yeah. I, I spent time there after my marriage ended and yeah it's really a, like 
English women, we don't, so we're not used to men literally going yeah. up to you in a coffee shop in the same way. We used to like, you know, the odd comment and stuff and maybe eyes across a bar, but literally someone just placing themselves down next to you and having a conversation and asking you out on a... Yeah. And often disguising it as work-related. The worst thing is, is because there's so many people out there, you know, desperate for their dreams, people take advantage of it. And yeah. I noticed that a lot over there. And a lot of my friends said the same thing. So I like to live in England. If I have work over there, I'll go, I'll have a holiday, but it's not somewhere I'd want to live full time. With the acting, like, would you like to do more films? Is it stage stuff you're looking at? What What do you fancy? No, films. Films is where I, I want to stay. I, I think I've got a bit of the... Um, I'm a bit fearful of stage, which is strange. I loved doing it when I was at school. But my thing is my memory could suffer sometimes, (laughs) especially in panic moments. And I just, the thought of stage, it doesn't bring me like that peace. I like to know that I can do a retake. (laughs) (laughs) One last thing um, I'd like to touch on. So we we read your sort of resume at the top of the show. And because you've done so many amazing things, there are so many amazing ways we could um, describe you. Uh, One thing you do is you're an ambassador for Guide Dogs for the Blind Association. Do you want to talk a bit about your, your work with them and just tell us, you know, what you do and what, what, what they do? Sure, yeah. So it was when my mum went blind, she was struggling so much at the beginning and it was when a few people said, look, get in touch with the guide dogs for the blind. Um, to cut a long story short, when she got her first guide dog, her life was completely changed around. She, was, she had her um, independence back. She could go down the shop and go shopping. She could get on the train and go up to Scotland or she, could, she just had this new lease of life back and it and it was that not just the companionship of, a, of an animal being around but one that actually can take you around your town and give you give you that freedom and see when I built a platform on social media and on the on the television it was a chance for me to be able to well actually I can use this to help them because I've seen the help that they've given my mum and, and in fact I've, I've met a load of people with guide dogs through the charity and seen how their lives have been completely changed around and it became so important to me so I've done a lot of visits to the guide dog um, uh, puppy breeding centre, uh, which is just uh, an amazing day. <laughs> um, and then we, I've done uh, some half marathons for them. And we're always trying to raise awareness and money and sponsor the guide dogs. And I've done mountain climbs. And I just wanted to make sure that I could give back in any way I could. Because what I saw with my mum was money couldn't buy that you know it was that companionship her just to be able to see firsthand her be able to use this amazing animal and companion to give her her life back and the more we can get people guide dogs the better because it really does change their lives wow so incredible so incredible (laughs) um Thank you so much, Jess, for speaking to us. It's been just an absolute joy to listen to you and to hear about your journey, to read about your journey. It is really inspiring. And I do think, yeah, Silver Linings is just is the perfect title for your for your memoir. You've got the Five Peaks Challenge coming up soon. Is that is are you still doing that? What's Yeah. Unfortunately, it had to get delayed, but they are planned to go ahead with it in 2021. So I should have already done it, but it's just been everything's been pushed back to 2021 so it's going to be a busy year (laughs) (laughs) yeah like everything everything's happening next year now (laughs) yeah what are you doing next year everything i should have done this year Um, (laughs) thanks so much for joining us you've been an absolute joy thank you very much thank you you too